Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I am your host, Ray Harkins, and thank you for joining us on this audio adventure with another awesome guest that we have. It's episode number 28. I decided to keep the clothing company thing going on uh, because we had Mark from Glamour Kills on last week, and I said, you know what? I interviewed another clothing company that's actually Southern California-based and the owner of that, uh, Jason Welsher from Today for Clothing. More on him in a bit. Wanted to dive into some business. Property of Zach. You've heard me talk about it before, but if you're just jumping in now or you're too lazy to type in propertyofzach.com, then just do it now. Uh, they've got great editorials up. Um, they've got all the latest news reviews. Um, there's a feature that I've started to participate in where it's like a weekly playlist where they basically just pick one song and, um, you know, it's a collection of all the people who write on that website. Uh, they just recommend stuff. And, uh, I think if I'm not mistaken, it links to like a Spotify, um, account. So that way you can just click a link and it'll dump right into your Spotify playlist and you can just listen to all the songs that way. Um, it's awesome. So yeah, visit property of Zach. We're stoked on our partnership and they've been doing good things for us. And, uh, I hope that we've been doing good things for them. <laughs> um, review the show on iTunes. There's been some new reviews. I am stoked. I love it when I see stuff, even if I may not even know what the reference is into. Uh, there's a person that compares me to someone else on NPR who I personally have never listened to. That's my friend Brian, but uh, maybe he can explain it to me at some point in the near future. But uh, in any event, I love seeing those new reviews. I really do appreciate that. And uh, drop us a star rating as well. Um, depending on your level of commitment, the star ratings will take you four seconds and the review could take you a minute and a half. So uh, I do pay attention to that, so I appreciate that. And then finally, go check the website, 100wordsorless.com. I try to post stuff during the week in between shows, uh, you know, cool stuff I find online, music, movies, whatever else I've been listening to recently. Um, now I have people messaging me on my computer. Everybody hears that, and that's the way that it'll be. I'm not going to edit this. Um and one other note before we uh, dive into the interview. This week, I will be at The Fest in Gainesville, Florida. The beautiful people at No Idea Records put this thing on. And uh, I was there, I want to say 2001 or 2002, with uh, my friends in Alexis on Fire when I was on tour with them. We got to play the show, and or one of the millions of shows that they have there. So um, I'm pretty excited because I had a really, really good time when I was down there previously. Tons of good food, a lot of good camaraderie. And um, yeah, I'm hoping it'll be a nice little uh, trip down there. Get to travel with the fine folks at No Sleep Records. And um, yeah, I'm excited about that. So if you happen to be down there and you would like to say what's up, um, you can contact me via Twitter at 100wordspodcast. Uh, and then we can say, what's up? It gives you their high fives and, you know, talk about stupid shit because that's kind of what we do. Anyways, um, so yes, our guest, Jason Welsher from To Die For Clothing. The, I mean, I don't even know where to begin because I've known this dude for, you know, since I was about 17 years old. Um, as you'll come to hear in the interview, he was the very first person who I 
completed my first business transaction with uh, in regards to you know doing t-shirts for my old band um, and it was it was an interesting feeling because it was like you know I was in high school and I'm like hiring somebody to print shirts for me it just kind of felt weird but in any event <clears throat> this interview is an absolute must listen for anybody that wants to do something creative and start something on their own um, because Jason is very honest and opens up a lot about the mistakes that he made in starting to die for and also the mistakes that he made as to die for grew. Um, you'll kind of hear a little bit of that towards the end of the interview. Um, but Jason has a really, really interesting story. Uh, he's played in bands for many of the years that he's been involved in the music scene. So um, it was nice to be able to get more of a clarity on what exact bands he played in. And um Yeah. I just think that a lot of you will identify with this interview and find some really cool things to extract from it and hopefully learn and build on in your own life. Because essentially, that's why I'm trying to do this. I want you people to learn just as much as I've been able to learn from these people. So, yep, here you go. Uh, this is our conversation with Jason from Today 4. And uh, yeah, check it out. Usually I like to start things off with just kind of like my own either memory or experience of like, you know, how I came to know you like okay. as an entity or whatever. Right. I mean, I remember like when I first started to go to shows and I was like, you know, 15 and 16 years old, that was like, you know, 94, 95. And um, just seeing you playing, I, I had no idea who you were, mm -hmm. you know, seeing you playing like Give Until Gone. And it was one of those things where it was, uh, I was just impressed at your unique drumming capabilities. I was like, because <laughs> I always, I always wanted to be a drummer myself. Oh, that's crazy. And Good so, deal. yeah, I know. And so, but I was never talented enough. Mm -hmm. So because I was never talented enough, I wanted to have a unique style myself. And so it's like, you know, watching people like yourself and like uh, Ken Floyd from 18 Visions, where it's like. Yeah. you guys you guys were not conventional drummers like you had your own style where it's like you know totally. ken floyd had his symbols at the ceiling <laughs> and and you know you you had you just had a very uh yeah you had a very uh it, it's weird because it's like it, your drumming style was like mechanical on one hand uh -huh. but then it flowed like it didn't feel like it was forced you know because there's some drummers where you're just like um you know no slight against them but like obviously troy where it's like he was a very mechanical drummer you and he had light Totally. He hit light. Yes. He uh, could do drum rolls like nobody's business. <laughs> totally, totally. And, um, but yeah, there's just, like, you, you, yeah. you kind of you combine different styles. But anyway, so it's like, just viewing you as, as a musician and a dude that played in bands, I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then, it, because I've known you for so long, uh -huh. I have no fucking clue where we, like, officially, like, hi, Ray. Hi, Jason. Yeah. yeah no yeah, idea. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I, but dude, I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, too. Yeah. Because there's there just blank. there are certain people you've known for so long that it's just like you know I've always known them like you've existed in my life since you know I was 16 years old and it's like yeah but how how did we know one another yeah and how did how did that introduction <laughs> came up but anyway so then um, obviously like from that point on you know once you started to once you started die trying and then you know you started to brand yourself as yo order merch through me and do this type of stuff yeah and that was that was literally the first like 
business transactions like I'd ever done in my life as far as like oh that's funny I mean besides like you know I worked at Blockbuster Video yeah like, but like <laughs> you know business transactions where it's like I had something I, that I needed someone else to do and yeah. like you know I hired someone quote unquote yeah 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 <laughs> and it was just like and then then obviously like it worked so well where you were like oh like you know we can sponsor you guys and I'm just like what yeah like, yeah yeah my mind was blown <laughs> it was like I didn't even the concept of like being sponsored by anything didn't make any sense. And I, I mean, I, I shit you not that it's like the sense of pride that like not only myself, but the rest of the dudes and taken had to be like, die trying. Like, yeah, this is our shit. Yeah. And it was like, we had, I don't know. We were totally <laughs> swelled about that. It was like, it was like you were Hurley or something where it was like, yeah, like we are wrecked. Yeah. That's it. That's I know. It. And it was just, it was all those things were just so, um, yeah, crystal clear in my mind as far as like the, especially the feeling, like I mm-hmm. said, where it was like, we did like, you know, puff our chests out because it was like, yeah, dude, we have this fucking nautical star shirt. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, it's like an Orange County hardcore staple. Like, totally, totally. And so it was just so funny kind of having yeah, that all those. Shirt, uh, I mean, that shirt was just epic. I mean, everybody had that shirt. <laughs> whether everybody they liked that. Whether they liked the band or not. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would say. 90, 95% of the people that were wearing them. Right. I mean, back then you didn't buy really things that you didn't know about. You right. knew about what you were buying, whereas nowadays people will just buy yeah. whatever. Because it looks cool. cool. Right, right. Yeah, so I don't, I don't think back then, I, I, I know that for sure everybody, especially that I saw like on the, either the East Coast yeah. or the West Coast sure. wearing that shirt knew who Taken was. <laughs> right, right, right. So Yeah, but it, all those things were just so funny in my mind. And so, um, you know, kind of back backpedaling a little bit, the uh, were you born and raised like in California as far as like the Inland Empire like that area or where 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 did you uh, come up? Uh, I was born in Long Beach. Oh, okay, and um, I my parents moved to um, a city called Grand Terrace, which was pretty much just all orange groves, and it just uh, it connected with Riverside, California. Okay. So I, uh, what did they have? What did they, ha- did you live like your parents lived in Long Beach and they had you? And then they were like, let's, let's- yeah, I think they lived there for just a short while. And then when, you know, I, I was born then they, they completely moved somewhere. I don't know if it was for my father cause he had a job and my mother had a job that sure. changed up or, or what they did. But yeah, for some, you know, that's, that's a good question. I have to ask my parents when I see them. This yeah. yeah no. <laughs> um, I have no clue why we moved to where we we did. I think that at the time, you know, my parents bought a house and mm-hmm. it might have been less expensive to yeah. live away from the beach. More cost effective. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, sure. And then, and uh, they wanted to move to a new house, a new community that was, I mean, like I said, behind us was all orange groves growing right. up. And then nowadays, I want to say there's probably seven or eight blocks of homes now wow. in orange groves. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot has been built over the years. And I think at some point, obviously, nowadays, they just kind of stopped and just left it as orange groves so then the farmers can do what they need to do. Right, right. Because um, Grand, Ter- Grand Terrace, that's, I mean, that's it, part, of, part of the Inland Empire, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And Grand Terrace is considered San Bernardino County. Oh, okay. Um, I mean, Grand Terrace is small, very, very small, only one exit off the freeway. So it's it's a very small community. I mean, I don't even know what the population is, but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, Josh and I, uh, you know, he, Josh, my, my brother who goes Mm -hmm. by the artist death and he's, he's a co-owner and partner in Today4. Mm -hmm. Um, 
him and I, you know, we grew up our whole lives. My parents still live in the home that, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, they still to this day live in that home. That's cool. Um, and that it, that very rarely happens. Oh, yeah, never, never. I mean, it's 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 such a trip now going to my parents um, after all these years, and you know, the sinks are so much lower than the one I have at my home, and <laughs> sure. you know, the, the even the toilets a lot lower to the ground, and it's 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 just a, it's a trip, you know? right? But, right. They haven't ever really, they, I mean, they've always taken care of their home, so. There's been no reason to, like, oh, to upgrade yeah. or do anything. I mean, I think at some point they want to do something to the house, but at this point, they're, they're just trying to make ends meet. Of know? course. Like, at this point. Just what, did they, what did they do? What I always find interesting when kids obviously end up moving out and li- living on their own, what did they do with your room? Like, what's your room now? Uh, <laughs> Is it just, like, a storage space, or? Um, well, here's, here's, here's something funny. Um. <laughs> Growing up, uh-huh. my my father and uh, our parents um, wanted Josh and I to be like the best guitar and drum drummer ever. You know, they we, they they like you know my dad enforced music into us, and I mean we loved music, classic rock, metal, yeah, and um, hard rock, and uh, they wanted us to be like the next Van Halen brothers. Really? You know? Yeah, that is that's amazing. Straight up, it was like. like- Focus. My dad bought like all these Def Leppard, Van Halen, um, Quiet Riot. I remember I had a Twisted Sister wow. like, poster framed, everything in, in my room. And my parents had bought me, when I was in the second grade, they bought me a drum set. And the drum set was just so huge. I mean, it was a, it had double bass. Dude, you're in second grade. Totally, totally. Second grade. But he got this deal on this drum set that he couldn't refuse. Right. But it just took up. A whole entire room and my dad wasn't going to put this thing in his garage because that's where his cars and his you know, tools and stuff right, are. Right. so he's like well you know the only place to put this is in one of the rooms uh-huh. and shortly after that you know my, I had a bed on one side and a drum kit and I barely had any <laughs> space to move I had a little dresser with all my clothes in it sure and um then shortly after that my dad had bought my brother a full stack Marshall cabinet with uh you know a fender stratocaster and just just went for it you know just bought them the best of the best that's amazing and just was like look if these kids are going to do what we want them to do they need to have some of the best tools on the market so my parents are really really supportive and really like you know they didn't they didn't um spoil us they just basically you know they they knew what they wanted they knew what we were capable of so they went and they tried to do the best that they could possibly do to, so we were able to do those things like like you said you had you had the tools they weren't like that i i honestly i've just never heard parents having that sort of laser like focus where they were just like like this is what i would like for them yeah and and like and to have you guys i mean i don't know how uh, you know Josh grew up as far as like his guitar playing was concerned, but to like have you not rebel against that because that's like the yeah that's well, a delicate like you, balance yeah definitely you you have these parents that just kind of shove these things down your throat hey you got to play this you got to be the best you know you got to do and that was it my parents they wanted us they you know my dad got me drum lessons my my brother took guitar lessons um, mm-hmm. you know my our our parents took us out to concerts and and showed us like the you know these bands playing live you right know, I, um you know one of my first concerts i ever went to was the genesis you know and it was like phil collins right there in the flesh you know like just tearing it up right and, and uh so 
that was huge for me, you right. know, and huge for my brother. And, uh, and so you never, you like, you never felt that sort of, uh, itch to be like, Oh, I, I don't need to do this because it's being kind of forced on me. That's it. That's it. Like we, we had other things. We, you know, Josh and I both played year round soccer okay. and baseball. And then we tippy toed into basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really about it for sports. Uh, okay. We 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 both loved those, you know, baseball and soccer. And mm-hmm. um, so the other thing that I, the other hobby that got in the way was skateboarding. You know, we mm-hmm. we had skated since we were little little kids. I mean, I, I'd say probably first second grade. I mean, I was already yeah. like, you know, knew all the skaters. I knew <laughs> Thrasher magazine. Yeah. yeah, I. I go you know go to the the grocery store with my parents and i'd be in the magazine the whole time while my you know my mom's shopping and getting the groceries for the week or whatever yeah yeah and uh josh would be having trans world and i'd have thrasher and we would switch magazines (laughs) and we you know we would i think at some point we started tearing pages out of the magazines and Uh going home and putting them in like photo albums or, or, or just oh, collecting them. Yeah. And just, yeah, yeah. Without this was the best stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like here's a rad picture of Tony Hawk or, you know, Josh's, Josh's favorite skater was Steve Caballero. So, and I had Tony Hawk. So it was like anything bones brigade or, yeah. you know, uh, how Peralta related was just sure. like, we had to have it. You know? That's incredible. So, um, so, but you, so, did, but because of the, you like, you never felt, yeah, you never felt the need to, you know, be like, dad mom i'm not playing drums like stop forcing this on me because you did have these other things exactly so it felt natural yeah so we we had skateboarded we got hurt i'd come home you know my dad would always say well you know the drumsticks don't do that to you and and you know he would he would really just kind of you know remind me hey man those drums are in there like go in there you know but he wouldn't say hey man it's it's this or nothing you know Interesting, uh, you yeah. had the sports you you had to go out and see your friends you had to as long as you did good in school that was the main thing my dad you know he's the ball buster out of my out of my parents and yeah. my mom's uh, happy go lucky like of course. You know, Jason and Josh could do anything that they want they <laughs> yeah. could get in trouble and it's just whatever yeah. you know right. they're, they're still I'll be able to explain it away yeah, exactly yeah. They're, they're still the best thing that ever happened to me you know and right, right. my dad is like you know two strikes and you're out there's no three strikes not baseball it's like you get a warning and then the next time you're out you know like wow. that's just it so um my dad always had tried to show show us all these things like working on cars and and uh just you know hey the drums you know, these things could be powerful for you and, and helpful mm-hmm. in, in your career and in life, you know, yeah. um, you know, if you want to become a pro skateboarder, and you want to keep skateboarding and doing what you, you know, what you're good at right now or what you think is, is you're having fun with and so be it. So that's, he, you know, he, they took us to skateboarding competitions. Right. And, um, yeah. It just of, sounds like, like you were saying where it was like, they were just merely giving you guys tools and suggestions mm-hmm. And, but never giving you those strict frameworks where it's like, this needs to happen, but you can't do this. Like, and this needs to happen, but you can't do that. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that seems like a very healthy and organic way in order to, you know, keep, keep you interested and keep you going as opposed oh. to like, oh. I me mean, I can't, I mean, my mom was like, you know, Ray, play the clarinet. And I was like, that was the fucking worst thing of all time. I did it for a year. I'm like, yo, I've got asthma. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> but, and it was just, and, you know, she'll, she'll say that was a terrible idea now because, yeah. like, but she played it. So she had no other, you know, idea of, like, how to introduce anything. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. That's, that's really cool. So what did, <laughs> what did your parents do uh, for a living during that time? 
Well, um, just to backtrack, yeah, what, yeah. We, what, what my parents end up doing for and, and, and what they're doing with the rooms today. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Just so we don't get off topic no, too, too, too far. Because um, what we ended up doing is turning one whole entire room into a band room. Nice. And my parents allowed us to play until 10, 10 o'clock uh, p.m. at night. Oh. And we could jam as loud as we want. And that was the deal. Like, my parents were like, as long as they're in there doing their thing, that's fine. Yeah. So we only had in one, my room became like basically the jam room. Got it. You know, my so drums, Josh room. The, the full stack marshals, and a record player. <laughs> and that was it. So we could put records on and jam to them and try to mimic, you know, some of our favorite musicians. And then we had bunk beds in my brother's room. Amazing. So then we had our dressers and we could fit everything in his room. Right. And then I think we just shoved, like, toys and whatever else that we had, like, into the closet. Sure. You know, as a kid, I don't think we really even played with very many toys. And I don't think, you know, cartoons, we didn't really watch too many cartoons. Like, some of the cartoons to me, going back, I'm looking at them like, wow, I I remember these cartoons, but I don't remember actually watching them. Yeah, they don't have, like, yeah, they trigger a memory, but it's not like this, like, oh, my God, I loved this thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I love Transformers. Right. uh... Like, I know what they are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I was was busy shredding outside or whatever. Totally. So, um, yeah, that's that. And uh, now I think the... The jam room mm-hmm. is pretty much my mom's office. Got it. And it still has like some things up on the wall and some things that are in there that, um, you know, we had as kids that my mom just will not throw away. Of course, she's a mom. Yeah, they're they're re- they're remnants of what obviously was like this. This room existed before. This cool. is not just my office. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And. Uh, what Josh and I uh, shared as a room mm-hmm. with our bunk beds, uh, I think that right now is a workout room. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> and, and, and which my parents don't ever really use. So when I go to the house, normally that door is just closed. It could <laughs> yeah. be clutter for all I know. I, right. I have no clue. I don't ever like peek <laughs> around. Peek in there. Right, no, right, right. but I, I think there was like a treadmill or something in there last. Yeah, something and, uh, unused. And a bunch of dust <clears throat> because no one had been in there in a while. <laughs> and so probably funny. some more things from Josh and I's childhood memories or things that my mom will not throw away again. So there's <laughs> two rooms of yeah, clutter in my in my mind that I'm right, like, right. Yeah, you know, storage ish like, type yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, my my parents growing up, my mom has always been in like the the medical industry. Uh, she's okay. always worked uh, at Loma Linda Hospital, which is a huge hospital, mm-hmm. um, Seventh Day Adventist Hospital, and uh, she's worked there. Uh, she's still in the medical field and, and working in that industry. She just doesn't work for Loma Linda Hospital anymore. Okay. She worked there for close to 40 years. Oh, wow. Which is crazy. It's unheard, unheard of. You know? Yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah, people, I can't remember reading the statistic where it was like people of our generation, by the time that they've hit, like, I think it's either 40 or 50, they've had like four or five jobs. Uh-huh. Whereas like our previous generation, so like our parents, they've had, they have, would have like two by that time. And it's just yeah, like, see? that's what people do. It's people like, like they're, they're, it's like leases on cars now. They're the, you know, they're totally. trading jobs. Like, you know, I'm over this within two, three, right. four years tops. And totally. now I want something new. Totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool that you, that obviously you're, you, that's exactly what your mom yeah, exactly. was supposed to do back then. And my dad is still in the field of truck driving. He uh, works in the construction industry. So he, uh, you know, the, the business is very up and down. He doesn't mm-hmm. own his own business. He's always driven for somebody. Okay. But it's funny, uh, driving here, even though I asked you for the address, yeah, yeah. I knew how to get here. I just wanted like to have that as, I don't as have a to backup. text you. Sure. 
um, later. And it's just good to have people's addresses in your, in your phone and um, on file. And so uh, I uh, I remember totally how to get here. I really didn't even know. And I look at that when we were talking about threads and, and, and things that had, you know, that explain how you are or what you are today. Yeah. Uh, I think the the big thing for me is, you know, growing up, my parents didn't find that babysitter. I went on the road with my father and, and, and when he was truck driving, I was in the passenger seat and, you know, back then it's probably just as dangerous as today, but it just, you could, you could have a child in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a seat next to you and, and nobody, you know, nobody was going to fuss about it. No. And so he would just pull off, change my diaper, do my business, feed me, and truck drive and just do try to you know do you know juggle two things at once which he was really good at but wow yeah i think that as i got older and you know even when i started school Mm -hmm. on my summers i would go here and there with my father on on and just go because he he was a he's a long haul truck driver no no okay because he wanted to be home every single night so that was the thing i think before i was born he he did the long haul driving got it and it was like, okay, after the kids, I'm not, I can't yeah, do that. No, no, no. I might go away for a night yeah, or two, sure. but that's tops. Like he'll go drive to, you know, Sacramento got it, got or it. Uh, Arizona and he'll just stay over because you can't drive uh, so many hours in, in truck one drive. day. Uh, right, yeah. Right. You, you just gotta, there's a limit. So, uh, oh, nice. So basically he was just, he was hauling you around and hauling you were just... around, hauling the sand and gravel or rocks, whatever he's doing. And I'm in the passenger seat. That's incredible. The radio is, you know, cranked up to volume 11 and you know, we're playing air drums together. And I mean, that's, that, that's how I got into drums. My father played drums. So he, I, I remember as a kid, he had a band with the guy next door that played keyboard. And if I remember right, they sound like a doors kind of band. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he, he played the drums and it was funny as I got older and got more into, even when I lived at home, it was mm-hmm. like my father played less of the drums. I think it was just after the band just really wasn't doing much. He just really just lost interest and maybe started focusing on like, you know, just really things that need to be done around the house. Right. Just of course. Being a father, you know? Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, really that's why I play the drums and, and that's still cool. this day we don't know my, my dad and, and mom and you know all of us together you know we're playing air drums driving down the you know freeway jamming to Germany or whatever yeah yeah yeah, to, yeah. You know, so that's so cool that I mean it, it always struck me um just in the way that obviously like you are as a person and just kind of the way that you know you not only you present yourself like I said, as a person, but you know, the company and the values that you guys kind of drive home is the fact that, you know, you know, you don't, you don't hide the fact it's like, Oh yeah, it's me and my brother. Like, you know, and family is yeah. like such a, you know, a crucial part of oh, like oh. of who you are and obviously what your company is. And, um, I mean, I think it, that really warms my heart because I do, I've noticed that in a lot of conversations I've had on the show where it's like, a typical sort of punk rock hardcore experience is like, oh, fuck my parents. Like, you know, I yeah. hate them. And I mean, and, and not, and you know, some people like that, you know, that's a, a quote unquote valid reaction. It's like, you know, their parents may have been shitty to them or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. but you know, once you grow older and kind of realize like, okay, maybe I was being a dick as it's <laughs> like, whatever. But it's like, you've, it seems like you've been able to kind of usher through all that and be like, no, like we're really close. Even when things might've been difficult. Totally. totally. You were still really close. Totally. Yeah, I think it, it. We had a we had a small family. I mean, we mm-hmm. 
we don't really have a huge, you know, extended family. Uh, extended family. Yeah. It's just really, we have, uh, you know, an aunt and some cousins on the East coast and everyone else like Josh and I really kind of wrote off as family, like, um, just cause they've done some funny things and, and, sure. and, you know, and, and our lives and to each other and they're just, they're just mean and, you know, just, just people to, to just do away with like yeah. why why let these people in your life and, and around you surround you when they're just bad energy you know? right right for sure so we have a small family and it's awesome you know that's that's that's, that's why I, I think that that's really brought the family element for Josh and I not only that we're brothers but you know we just have always anybody that we come in contact with mm-hmm. we're, we're always interested about them and what makes them who they are today, yeah. Uh, you know, and 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 that's just it. You, you, I always feel like when I have a discussion with someone, I'm the guy asking questions. Yeah, yeah. because I'm intrigued. I want to know about something, whether or not they're, you know, uh, you know, born. Their life was boring, and now they're they they. And the reason why their life was boring is why they're doing what they are today, or right. the complete opposite. Sure, sure. So it's just. Uh, well, I think it's it's funny that you hit on that because I definitely. I agree with you 100%. I mean, I'm exactly the same as you where it's like the, anybody that's ever asked me for a piece of advice to like, you know, like in the music industry or like, you know, how do you do this and how do you do that? And, you know, I always come back to the fact that it's like, just be genuine. And it's as, as like cliched and simple as that sounds, it's like, you know, like uh, in a story that I've told before where it's like, you know, the, the idea of networking where it's just like, okay, like, you know, you hear networking and you think of like, you know, going to a conference and handing out business cards and it's like, <laughs> like, you know, that, I mean, that's like what it's like in the quote unquote real world. But it's like, you know, when you actually do take the time, you know, if you do work with someone professionally first and you kind of like get to know them and yeah. it's like, oh, through the course of, you know, three or four phone conversations, it's like, get, like, like you said, ask fucking questions like, totally. and, and not yeah. just like from a selfish standpoint, but just like, you know, get to know people because the the moment, and I mean, you know this, the moment that a person decides to invest in you in any way, shape or form, whether it's like investing in just having a relationship mm-hmm. or investing in your company or whatever, you know, you have them. You're, totally. you're They're part of your network totally. and you can always rely on them for totally. either help or advice or whatever. And it's like, I mean, that's exactly what, you know, Today for has been able to do totally. because you guys do include people. In that. Exactly. I, I just find it fascinating that everybody is put on this earth and everybody has something to offer of course and you know i i just always want to know about those things i want to know like what wh- why it is and what it is and how it came to be yeah, yeah. i'm just i'm just fascinated by all those things and so uh i I, th- I think out of the two of us well i know out of the two uh josh and i i'm the loud mouth i'm the guy that goes and gets in everyone's face and of talks course. And, so- and and knows everybody and he's the kind of set back like he's, he's, the, he's the quiet artist totally he's the, he's the emo artist <laughs> yeah, yeah, just yeah does yeah. this thing and 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 i that's great i respect him and there's certain people that can just kind of crack that egg when it comes to josh and yep. get him to loosen up and it's not that he's like tight or he's stressed or he, he's just no. he, that's just him he's a little bit more reserved and it's funny he plays soccer with a bunch of um he plays co-ed soccer and a lot of the people on his team mm-hmm. are all people that went to high school with uh, Josh and I. <laughs> okay. And so when soccer season starts, I, I haven't gone to one of his game yet games yet. And he's played two seasons yet. So I feel like the horrible brother, which I'm going to for sure go to a game. This yeah, season. yeah. 
But, um, you know, one of his coaches or yeah, one of his coaches is his brother was my age and, you know, his coach is Josh's age. So it's just funny. But uh, I'm always like, hey, what's up with Mark? What's what's he doing these days? And he's like, I don't don't know. And I'm like, dude, you play on a team. You play on a team. But it's because they don't practice. Yeah, that's why. So he can never ask those questions. They get on the field. They have their jerseys. They do their they, thing, they, they, yeah. shot, they do the game day, and that's it. Yeah. They, they're not cracking, you know, or, you know, oranges and, and Capri Suns after the game and going to get, you know, pizza at Red yeah. Pizza and, and, right. and, and playing Galaga and, like, and, and talking shop, you know. It's right. Just, it's, it's game, and then they're off with their husband, wife, and they're done. You know, like, they're going to get the kids or round up the troops and right. do what they do on the weekends. Yeah, yeah. They're over it. They just do soccer to play soccer to, like – let off some steam, of course. Get some exercise, like working out, and then they're done. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it, it's I'm always like, dude, what's up with this guy? Yeah. You know? And it's like <laughs> he has so no funny. clue. He has no clue. Which I would probably know every single thing about every one of these people on the team. You'd be and on the, the field. Teams. You'd be on the field talking and be like, dude, so how's it going? You're like, I'm in the fucking game, dude. Yeah, yeah totally. Like, hey, Jason, dude. Um, just come on, man. I, I mean, and the ball's getting passed to me. And, yeah, I'm getting these chances to, like, you know, score or pass the ball to someone else. And here I am striking conversation. Right, exactly. It reminds me of when, it, like, when someone hits, like, a, a base hit in, 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 in baseball. Oh, yeah. And they, and they the know first the first base, baseman. Of course. And they're, they're, they're talking shot. Totally catching up. And it's like the game could be, like, 3-3, ninth inning. Yeah, and it's it's like stressful at this point, or or even it could be in extra innings, and mm-hmm. they're having like I'm like wow, this is yeah funny like right they hate each other they you know yeah. it's, it's they right technically now. hate each other totally but they but still are humans and they still totally. have a friend they and have that's been... rad about that's what yeah. I like about sports yeah yeah, yeah. so uh... um so then as you <laughs> so obviously like because you came from such a rich musical background like and obviously music became a part of your life at such an early age. When was um, kind of the more, you know, the independent music stuff? Like, when did that start to come into play? Like, was that when you were in high school? And, like, you started to kind of discover yeah, shows and everything? Yeah, it's just, uh, I, I, I found out about Hardcore and, mm-hmm. and Straight Edge. And uh, we had this, um, all, a circle of friends of us had this older brother um, named Brian that was Straight Edge and knew about all the old bands, you know, Gorilla Biscuits instead. Right. Um Crippled Youth, you know, Buttermouth, all these bands that some people today don't even probably know about that are into like some of those bands. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. They, uh, we just kind of leached off him. Like we, we just, you know, basically sucked him dry of all his, his knowledge and his, his music and recorded all his records. And, um, and then we started going record shopping ourselves. We'd make these trips down to, uh, uh, to Vinyl Solution in Huntington Beach, mm-hmm. and we would um, go to Zeds and okay. Uh, Bionic was, was Records. It, yeah, was was this like uh, was this like freshman sophomore year? Like yeah, year? freshman yeah. sophomore year. I graduated in '95, so yeah, it's probably like '91, '92. Sure, sure. And uh, yeah, I found out about Straight Edge, and it was such a weird thing back then. It was like it. it I felt like it had so many more, um, like oh, you couldn't have sex and. You had to be a vegetarian. I mean, I wasn't vegetarian at that time, you know, and uh, you didn't and, feel like you fit and, the total bill. Yeah, and it was like you couldn't drink caffeine, you know. So there was like more labels, you know. There was more, yeah. There were there layers, was layers, yeah, 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 exactly upon layers, and we just said screw it, you know. We started getting into straight edge and hardcore and going to shows, and mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, and, and, and just be, before you know it, it just started growing within, you know, our community, our scene and mm. Riverside and San Bernardino and, uh, a little bit, we really didn't know too much about Orange County or LA. We kind of stuck to ourselves cause that was, well, you, you didn't, know, early, you didn't drive. But really? You to, yeah. Totally. totally. So we couldn't get very, very far. And we, you know, back then you didn't really make friends as easy and, mm-hmm. um, you just kind of stayed within your means. And so we just, like I said, passed records on and started getting into stuff. And, you know, I remember listen, bringing all these records home, um, and, and listening to my, in, in, in our jam room and, and I'd be like, ah, oh, that's not, what is this? That's not music. Yeah, and, I was going to, I was going to give my next question, but yeah, it was he, like, obviously, I'm sure that was a huge disconnect for him. He's like, Jason, I, I'm glad you're into music, but this is trash. Totally. He's like, he, he would say like, oh, what is, you can't even hear what they're saying. Like, you can't even, how do you make out what they're saying? You know, and right. just totally like funny about it, you know? And, yeah. But he never said, oh, you, you can't listen to that. He just like, yeah, you listen to whatever you want. It's fine. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I, Josh and I listen to like rap and hip hop then too a little bit i think josh listened a little bit more than i did but, yeah but there was no censorship from your parents nah, i mean my dad really hated that music right really hated that i mean he was on i mean he like again, next he level never, yeah. yeah like just heated like oh god what is that you know and it's because they didn't play instruments mm, they were yeah. just beats they were making on vinyl or yeah through a computer or some kind of studio and so he was just way anti that you know and uh sure yeah. So and we, so then, we, and then we, as you were, I'm sure a lot of people like you know once you started to go to shows and everything like that, and once you started to see you know bands in front of you that were like not you know not playing arenas like you had been seeing prior to that, um, you know when did the idea of like hey let's start a band like my brother and I have this room like how did that kind of yeah we we just started jamming and uh, everybody started like you know from listening to the music and. and we were like, oh man, you know, this guy's picking up a guitar. Oh, he, he just bought a guitar used. And uh, some people's family and, and parents, they went and did the kind of the same thing that they did for our uh-huh. parents did for us. And, uh, you know, slowly but surely, everyone just really got like, they were just, it was like, wow, you know, I, I want to do this. I could, I see these bands play. I could, I could have a band myself. Yeah, for sure. And people just started picking up equipment and getting really good at it. And, you, you know, just like nowadays, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to see how young musicians and, and, you know, thanks to the internet, how good everyone has gotten because of, you know, just listening or seeing something or picking up something, everyone just learning faster than they ever did. Totally. So back then, you know, we really just picked up and just tried to do power chords and, and you know, what, out, how you yeah. really found your ground is just really mimicking and covering all these bands that you listen to. Right. And that's just, how you did it. We even played band, you know, would jam and, and cover bands, uh, mm-hmm. music. And then until we could write our own and, and find a common ground between all of us, you know? Right. So that's just it. I just really got into hardcore and, uh, playing drums and, you know, playing shows that didn't pay you. And right. You know, that's what was it. it? What was the, so what was the first band that you started to actually like, what was the first band that you actually played a show with? I have a, I started a band called dead serious. Okay. Uh-huh. And uh, it's all friends, of course. Sure. And so this is like sophomore, junior year of high school. Yeah, yeah, sophomore. yeah, yeah. And yeah, it was just great. I mean, I think we played maybe some talent shows and like oh, played uh, all the local venues and sure. opened up. And what know. is what it sound like? What were you guys trying to achieve then? Ah, uh, I think <laughs> at, at that point, I think uh, you know what later became like bold. 
oh, was yeah. Crippled Youth, and, and uh-huh. we were we loved Crippled Youth because they were all like kids totally. making music, you yeah, know. Yeah. And so I I, I want to say that our sound back then was very yes. much alike to Crippled Youth. Got it, got it. That's um, what you were trying to achieve. You're like, that'd be cool totally. if we could do something like this. Yeah. And and you know we knew about all the Orange County bands. We had all their records and. We loved everything, and you know, it's just like sick of it all was huge to us. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, one day we'll play with sick of it all, right? You know, and, and then our lives will and be Chromax and yeah. uh, you know, Biohazard, and I mean, that was like those three bands that like played together it was like one of my biggest favorite shows, like almost all to this day that yeah. I ever went to. That I was like, whoa, this is this is it. Well, they, I mean, because during that time in the early '90s, those bands were signing to major labels, and it was oh. like. You know, this is the next big thing. Totally. Like, and you didn't really know what touring was, you know? Like, no. it was weird. It was like touring. Yeah. So a band coming out and playing in your city. Was they just, just mater- so- total. it's so funny because I can't remember who I was talking to, but that concept was so foreign to me. Totally. Like, bands materialized totally. in front of you, yep. and then they went home. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you didn't understand that it was like, oh, shit, they took like three weeks to get out here or whatever. Like, Totally. And then once you did discover that, it was like, honestly, I distinctly remember the first time ever understanding the concept of tour was watching uh, when Strife put out that VHS tape that was like one trip. And it showed their tour of the uh, East Coast. And it Uh was like, you know, it was like a two week thing. But it was just like watching it, I was like, my head just exploded. And I was like, oh, that's what fans do. Yes, this is how they do it. They rent U Hauls or they. Yeah, I mean, they weren't buying vans back then. No. They were renting U-Hauls, uh, a buddy's van. Uh, their totally. mom and dad was, like, maybe buying a used van for them. That, yeah, caravan tour. You, like, totally. three cars taking you to places. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah good point. Like, there's I, I one, there, about that. There was what The drummer had his own car because no there's no fucking way you could fit everything. <laughs> totally, totally. And he drove to the show by himself. Himself. <laughs> Because there was all the drums were also in the passenger seat. Totally, totally. In the trunk, everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. <laughs> Guitar amps and head is all in the back seat. They only have room in the passenger for the girlfriend or maybe the other, the singer. <laughs> totally. You know, and that's just it. Yeah, you just take a million cars to the show because totally. there's no other way to transport it. That was before traffic. Oh, too. <laughs> so it was easier to get to shows. I mean, you could drive five cars to a show and maybe not hit traffic. Right, right, for sure. <laughs> that's hilarious. There was more lanes than there were people and cars you yeah know? totally so it was like we, it was it was easy getting somewhere <laughs> yeah it was more navigatable um and so then um was your high school experience like just because you had like bands and you kind of you know you had your community there mm-hmm. like did you enjoy the high school experience and did you take school seriously at all or was it kind of like i just got by i got yeah. like i got c's and b's I, I wasn't insane like a straight a student right i enjoyed all the classes like wood shop auto shop ceramics was my jam yeah um just anything you had to use your hands and make yeah you know, always english, yeah english and math and all that stuff <laughs> i just did what i needed to do to get by right um i i never played sports in high school because i thought it was just all uh just who you knew and, 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 and all about, it was just politics. So yeah. I just was like, yeah, I'm not going to get into that. And right. I don't need to be at school any longer than uh, an actual what school I need day, to, six yeah, hours yeah. or whatever I'm here. So like, did you, I mean, did you go to dances mm-hmm. and stuff where you were just kind of like, oh, no, not really. Yeah. I think the only thing I ever went to was my uh, senior prom and that's it. Right. And that's it. And, I don't, and that's a whole blur to me for some reason. I don't even recall it at all. <laughs> You're like, um, that was just I didn't go I to my reunion. I, yeah, I did little with with school. I yeah. just was like you were in, in and you were outside. Yeah, got it, got it. Um, but yeah, I mean, our schools. I 
I enjoyed going to school, looking back at it, maybe not the time, but going back and looking. Um, I mean, I, I had a pretty gnarly school, you know, this, the city of Colton high school, um, mm. city of Colton was, is, was nasty at the time. It's, it's probably cleaned up just a bit now, but I mean, we had games on every single North, West, East, you know, South, everything. And, right. you know, they ran, um, insane drugs, um, you know, weapons, like one wow. of the gangs ran all the other gangs, um, you know, while the four years I was, uh, in, and at, at that school, three different people got killed. Um, Jeez. two of them, one got ran over, two got shot. And so I look so at I, it. Yeah, I could, I could see why you would want to keep your head down. Totally, totally. But you know, I, I knew all the gangsters. I knew I had classes with these guys. Right. I knew, you know, that their uncles and, 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 and family at home and even, even themselves are, are part of the problem. Mm-hmm. But as long as you don't do anything to offend them right they're your best friends and totally. it's great to have those people on your back of course um and and just have your side at the end of the day and, and it's funny a lot of those a lot of those gangsters and, and and people that we made friends with all started hanging out in our in our our area yeah and it was weird it's like this weird crossover yeah it's like we started having because because outside of being a gangster and mm-hmm. living the hard life of whatever you're doing these people had uh, talent and they had taste and some of them played sports and yeah. they had musical taste and you know they didn't all just listen to rap or oldies right. you know they some of these guys got into hardcore and started like getting out of the gang life and getting into like punk rock and hardcore and interesting you know, a couple of them turned into being like like non-racist skins it was it was funny like we some of like our hardcore friends turned into like like it was like this big thing like being a skinhead you know, wow this, they started like form in a whole unit and they were the they never changed their attitude they just changed the style and their appearance that's super because i've never heard of that experience where it was like because you you would think those two worlds it's like obviously like oil and water where it's just like you know hardcore kids that don't drink and don't smoke it's like what would i have in common with totally but then it's like that's pretty cool but it was it was rad i mean that's i think it was like this acceptance and you know going back and looking at it like you know one of the biggest things that we always strove for is unity yeah. You know, we always tried to be, in, be inclusive. And, and right. Exactly. Be into one another and, and, and just like be, find out new things and, and, and have things outside of that bubble. Yeah. Whether, like I said, sports or, um, you know, like I liked music that just wasn't all hardcore. Right. Metal. Of course. And I liked other type of stuff that I grew up listening to. Yeah. You had to other frames of, to. yeah. You had other frames of reference. Totally. Right. Right. And some of the kids that, you know, I hung out with, they all played sports as well, you know? Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, I, I know. Just, I just, yeah, I never heard of that experience. It's, 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 it's funny sounding, but it all worked. Yeah. It all yeah. worked where, you know, it almost sounded like, like, like a prison, you know, where yeah. I mean, it wasn't so like segregated. It was like, we all came together at the end of the day and we're like, Hey, we're all people, you know, at the yeah. end of the day, maybe outside of the schoolyard. Right. We're not friends. Right. You broke, <laughs> you broke down the, whatever facades, their corners. That totally. people put. That's cool. And so as you were graduating high school, um, you, did you have desires to go to college or anything? Or are you pretty much like, you know, what was your sort of, where, where was your head at at that time? Uh, as soon as I got out of high school, I just started thinking about, um, I, I went to RCC, Riverside Community College, mm-hmm. and took a bunch of classes there. And I just kind of got by just like I did in high school. And it wasn't, right. it, it, it wasn't until I started kind of really starting my company, I started doing really poorly in school. And I found out, you know, 
shortly that I only really went to school just for the same things I went to high school for was soccer. And, you know, I had a class, a music class, and, and mm-hmm. I wanted to make music. And right. so all those classes I did great at, but everything else I just completely did poor and, Got it. and just didn't get great grades. So I started doing um, booking. I started booking bands around that time. Mm-hmm. I still played music. Uh, whatever band I was playing at the time, I'd you know I probably played in like ten. You played or in so four. Bands. Well, because there was such a shortage, and there still is. Like you're finding a good drummer that has like <laughs> you know that's reliable, has like a place to practice. I mean, that's just a rarity. So it's like oh. you you played in nine million bands like during that. You know, because you, you played in Sever. Sever. I I, I played in Burial. Burial. Right. I uh, did a tour with the band Process. It was on Conversion Records. That was probably oh, yeah. the highlight of my life. Like. You know, I played a couple shows of chorus. Course of disapproval did some uh, reunion shows, uh-huh. um, but process. I they they wrote a rad record and needed a, a drummer. Their their drummer and guitar player quit, and I just went on the road and I did a whole like three month tour right out of high school. Oh really? I uh, went to Canada. Yeah, just met so many amazing. That was people. that was like was that like your most extensive U.S. tour where it's like yeah, did everything. Wow. Did everything except for Boston. Like wow. played like every city. Yeah. Uh went just kind of tippy toed, played Victoria and Vancouver and Canada. Sure, sure. That was it in Canada. But uh yeah, man, I was just blown away. Like, you know, ninety six, right out of high school, playing, mm-hmm. you know, the world. Um, we played a bunch of shows with one away, played a bunch of shows with Strife. That's how I got to know Strife. Nice. Um Man, and I, I'm trying to think. Uh, we played with Coalesce in Denver. Yeah, uh, man, it's just like oh, all that must these have been such an I, amazing. Oh, yeah, experience. it's like, yeah. dude, these bands I listen to are seven inches at home, and here I am playing with them. Right, and here I'm just playing. I haven't been on actual physical seven inch yet, but right, you know, here I am playing a a, a band that I love. Re- loves record that I already had a drummer that recorded on this record. I'm just basically mimicking what he played right, right. on tour. And uh, that's cool. Did that, and really, out of all the bands, um, after that, I, I kind of just got really out of the hardcore like metal element and started. Uh, I kind of the last band I really was doing was um, this band called Deer Hearts, and they they were kind of uh, like a Murder City Devils mm-hmm. type band. But while I was doing that band, I did this band band that was kind of like the faint uh, sounding style with like kind of like a dance rock element called okay. Rebel Fever. Mm-hmm. And that band, I think, was probably the most popular band I ever played in, mm-hmm. um, other than Burial in the Hardcore Days. But right. man, we, we used to sell out all the bars. And it was crazy. And we used to get paid. Right. And we could literally not make a living playing shows. But, you know, we, we would venture out on the weekends and play up in L.A. And, and every show would do amazing because they were just like this, the social, you know, media that we used. And, and right. those tools helped us, enable us to spread out. You sure. Know. Your reputation proceeded. You'd be like, oh, you got to see Rebel Fever because of this. Because totally. shows are fun. And or our, dr- yeah, our, uh, our, uh, our whole band had like a different element with all the different players. And it, it was our singer that was just a wacko. You yeah. Know? He's best dude ever, but just put on an amazing show. Yeah. And, we just always gave it our all, like every damn show. We put on something new and, and like a new show. So somebody saw something new. So some people would even travel to go see some of our shows. That's cool. Um, with us, which is great. But um, And so as you were, you know, backing up, like as you were like in college, like in uh-huh. you, did you ever have that thing where it's like, I I would like to make a living off of music? Like that's that's what you want totally. to do? Okay. Totally. I knew I was like, I want to be a rock star. I yeah. Wanna, I want to make I want to make millions. I want to live in the big house. I want to have all the cars. <laughs> right. 
But, you know, shortly that just became a dream, you know, that, that, that was just tough. You know, at some point you just uh, like, okay, well, things are different. I'm just going to try my best. Yeah. You got to be at the right place, at the right time. You got to have a record label. You got to have this, you got to have that. Sure. And, um, that's when I started really taking all my knowledge and experience and all the, my relationships that I built and started booking shows, right. um, at the barn in Riverside. Okay. And you know, I booked some of my favorite bands to this day, Cave-In, um, yeah. Isis. I, uh, you were, I mean, you were basically I, like, if someone needed a show from a hardcore perspective, they would go to you. Totally. Right. They'd be traveling, and I'd get the phone call from the booking agency asking me. And I, I had an office where I was part-time booking. And, you know, one of the guys that owns Golden Voice today, he had, owned, like, basically ran the barn. And so he basically gave me the whole hardcore and metal side of all those shows. Okay. And he booked all the punk and ska music. Right. And we just made sure that we just didn't overlap. And I had certain days that were mine and we just, I just went to town trying to schedule people's bands coming through town and yeah. on certain days and it all worked out. It was amazing. It was, yeah. it was great until the barn closed, um, like two years after that. Mm-hmm. And, um, we just said, well, you know, Bill from, you know, that was now part of owner of golden voice and a huge, huge, uh, hand in Coachella and, um, right. And, uh, and, you know, FYF Fest and Stagecoach, he was like a big inspiration for me. You know, he worked his ass off. He, he, he made all my flyers. Um, he, he gave me something. He saw something in me. And so he gave me like, you know, a huge, huge helping hand mm-hmm. as well as he knew what I was capable of with all these relationships that he could never probably tap into that market, you know? Right. And, you know, after the barn closed, that's when I started finding myself like somehow some way I just was like I, uh, with all the bands and the things I was doing I wanted to make my own merchandise so I just you know I bought a kit at Aaron Brothers and I started trying to make all my own shirts for all my bands to sell right and it was playing with all the other bands that were seeing me make a merchandise and they didn't have a single thing to sell except for like a demo right of course and that one of the girlfriends is selling the demo while they're playing right or whatever at the booth and it was like all these bands just came to me and wanted merchandise made. And I was just like, wow, this is You're like, this is yeah, you, you saw a need for yourself. And then everything else started to be like, oh, yeah, like hit up Jason. Like, totally. Totally. It just like I was the go-to merch guy to make everybody's merch, in which I didn't mind. I was like, this is great. I had like another part-time job or full-time job at the time at, at mm-hmm. a hospital where my mom worked that my mom helped me get. And, uh, I just would on my, on my evenings and on my weekends, like I just didn't have a life. I just yeah. completely just went in and made everyone's merch and just did the best I could and right. printed and got it to them when they needed for the shows or whatever sure. they were doing, you know? Yeah. And you just started to, I, I mean, at that time, I'm sure you just started to really develop the, you know, the inkling of like, okay, like this is something that I would like to do as a, as a career, like be totally. able to be able to fill this role that people obviously need. <clears throat> yeah the uh the merchandise was just incredible like mm-hmm. you know i was starting to do bands that just became bigger bigger names right and, and that's when i was just like wow this is insane you know i did one of unbroken's last shows um you know the with the tribute shirt to eric yeah, and yeah. uh you know that was just oh man that was like i, I had goosebumps i was printing all the merchandise i can imagine know, and, uh you know getting rob on the phone and just Unbroken was like one of my favorite bands. I was just like, wow, this is, this is awesome. Yeah, you know? I can't believe I'm doing this. Right. And, um, and you know, I ended up buying all of New Age's, New Age Records uh, equipment, all his silk screening equipment. Oh, okay. He used to print all his own shirts right. for all his bands. Mm-hmm. And basically, 
do that DIY, put out the records, put out the things that he liked, and then do all the merchandise, which Mike was just a madman. And he's still a great close friend of mine to this day and just a great person and uh, Mm -hmm. run into him, talk to him all the time. And and he had all this stuff just sitting in like Lake Arrowhead at his parents' garage and wasn't using it. And I was like, dude, I'm going to buy all this stuff. Yeah. So my parents helped me buy it and um and i later paid them off and i just went up and picked it all up started buying tool like all the stuff and that was that was when it became like real like my dad gave me one side of the garage which is unheard of and started parking that car on the side of the the house and that was just it my parents really saw something we're like look jason's doing what he wants right so that's that's it that's when i like how i came up with like support the supportive to this day is my parents supported me and and we're hundred percent into whatever I was doing as right. long as I wasn't stepping on anyone's toes or harming anyone. They, they were yeah. completely 110% back in me yeah. and still do to this. Well, day. and they saw, and it was, it's funny. Cause like, you know, hearing you where it was like, you were always interested in, like you said, working with your hands and it's like, it really does take a certain type of person to be able to do that. Cause it's like, like, honestly, like watching what you've done as far as like, you know, screen printing, like, I don't know how to do shit when it comes to that. <laughs> if you told me like either fix something or do anything, like I'm just, that's not me. Like, totally. you're like, I was like, you know, English, like I fucking nailed that shit. Totally. But if you were like, yo, Ray, dude, woodshop, <laughs> I don't know, dude, I, I could probably fake my way through it. It's just how you're wired. Yeah. That's just it. That's no. the best, that's the best thing that's ever been said to me is like, you just, everyone's <laughs> wired differently. Totally. Totally. Some people like clean houses some people like messy houses some people <laughs> yeah work on this first and work on this last and right. i completely do the opposite i work on that first you right know, but, you know it's just it's just how everyone's wired and how everyone's grown up and some people are just hands-on people and some people pay somebody to go fix something yeah because yeah. it'll take less time right less and frustration totally, right yeah yeah, totally. yeah yeah and you could just live a better life and that's why there's that's why there's jobs that's why there's people that do things and that's why <laughs> You know, that's what makes the world go around. Yeah, know, exactly. And so the, <clears throat> another interesting element that I've always found really cool. I mean, and you touched on it earlier where it's like, you know, you, you and your brother balance each other out. Like, you know, whatever his weaknesses are, are your strengths and vice versa. Um, but I mean, since you guys have worked together for so long with the clothing company and the clothing line, like there had to have been moments where you're like, this fucking sucks. I fucking hate you. Like, or, or just yeah. that, that sort of you know, the, the whole brother aspect coming to it. And then you add the friendship and business and just like, I mean, I'm sure there were moments where you, just, uh, you guys totally. wanted to like walk away from each totally, other. Totally. Totally. I mean, I still sometimes say it to this day, I mean, it's crazy. You know, yeah. we, uh, there was this t- time where we were, you know, for the first couple of years, I think we just worked hard, focused yeah. and we just, we had something new and it was so fresh that we didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to upset a customer. We, so we just worked hard. We, we, I don't know, whatever it is. And then I think later on when it became more of like, we had a clothing line that we were starting to offer. Right. And Josh was more artistic and I had like the vision and, you know, I could concept some of the things that he was creating. That's when it became really, really tough for us because, you know, I said it to him the other day, it's, it's tough. You butt heads when you're both passionate about something. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a great problem to have, but it could get ugly, you mm-hmm. know, and, um, we, we moved into this huge warehouse where we were just occupying, you know, every, every, trying to st- occupy every square inch of this place. It was probably a billion. It was way too big for us, but you mm-hmm. know, we, 
we had the lease for so long and it was so cheap that it just made sense at the time. And we knew we were going to grow into this building at some point. Right. And man, it was crazy. You know, we, I remember like I would have these special meetings on the weekends and, um, and they'd always just get heated and they would always just turn into like insane, insane, like shouting matches. Exactly. Just getting nowhere really fast. And, um, you know, I, I used to have like a total chip on my shoulders. Like, uh, you know, I just, you know, I thought everything that I wanted was right. And Josh thought everything he wanted was right. And at the end of the day, those two things were on two separate pages, two separate right. chapters. And man, in front of employees, I'd blow up, I'd yell. Uh, I never really, I was a really good boss to my employees. I treated everybody amazing, mm-hmm. even though, and that's why I got really, um, just hurt really quick and just really just beaten into the ground because I felt like all the employees never respected me because I never beaten them up a little bit and, right. and really never spoke to them like, like a boss bosses sure. probably would. Oh dude. And, um, such a tough, so I just got, I got trampled on, man. I was like their best friend. Yep. I hung out with them outside of work and they could always step on me. They always knew that I was a cushion when they right. wanted to take time off or they were having hard times with a boyfriend or their girlfriend, they could take time, emotional day off or something. And Jason was always there, you know? Right. And I was their friend and Josh was the quiet guy. He, no one ever went to Josh for those things. Right. Um, so I had a little bit more stress on my shoulders than Josh did. In, well, because you were, and you were, <clears throat> you were also, you know, I mean, no one that starts a business is looking forward to like, oh, dude, I can't wait till I have employees and I can act like human resources. No, nope. <laughs> like that's like totally. that's like one percent of the people that start businesses where it's like I can't fucking wait to be like managing employees and like oh. you know, oh, no one likes that. So it's like totally. I could see where that was weighing on your shoulders, and then having. You know, you where it's like you just wanted to view your brother, I'm sure, as an employee at times, where you're just like, Josh, I'm telling you, you should do this. Totally, totally. <laughs> and that was never like that. No. You know? Like I, I could tell him what he needed to do. Right. Whether or not he did it was another question. <laughs> right, right, um, right. And that same went with for employees. And if and if you don't respect one another in front of employees, it just or somebody walks over you on you and someone else sees that it's just, it's, it's an impression that someone will always know what they're capable of doing to that person uh, and, yeah. and, and, and life goes on. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I think that's when I started to like all the stress and everything just really was just all on my uh, weighing on my shoulders. And, uh, man, I, I mean, there's several, several phones I broke tossing phones and, and, you know, at, the wall and breaking walls and punching things and punching, you know, cases of t-shirts and doing all the things that, you know, I would do just because I was just so heated at the moment and pissed off and, um, breaking stuff and that we, we really needed to use and, um, (laughs) having to go rebuy those things and just go, man, man. what an idiot. Like, I can't believe I just did that. Like, that's crazy. I did it in front of all these employees. Like that. I just feel like the littlest, smallest ant on, on earth and a foot just came and smashed me, you know? Yeah, just, yeah. Um, and, you know, I had some people that were in it for the long haul and just really stuck by me and they knew how much I was going through. And some of those people are still good friends of mine to this day. But it basically, you know, at that time building the company is like we had, you know, the social distortion blasting. And in the background, because all of us listen to social D and right. it was like a friend's hangout, but we were on the clock working and trying to pump out Gorilla Biscuits and Youth of Today shirts, as well as a Paul Frank account. And then Ruka walks in and goes, Hey, I want some shorts done. And 
in, in, in two hours time. Cause you know, BJ Penn's fighting and right. several hours, you know, and at the MGM grant, I gotta, I still gotta drive down there and give them to him so he could put them on tonight, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, I had all walks of life cause we were a custom shop and we did custom things and we printed amazing things. And that was the one thing that my crew did is like, we all stuck together. I got in out there and I got my hands dirty. I was never too good to do that. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's how I showed everybody like, Hey man, I'm not above you. Right. I'm getting my hands dirty. I'm doing everything you're doing. I still do that to this day. Of course. Yeah. You know, no, that's I've just never, always who you are. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I'm hands on. Just like you said, it's like, I just, that's it. So, um, you know, some things changed within the company and, and as time went on, you know, we, I, I, I got out of the screen printing business and which, I mean, honestly, in retrospect, like once you told me you were doing that, I'm like, good move, Jason. Yeah. Like I was like, it just, it, <laughs> I mean, there is such a, um, there's obviously such a demand in that, but the one thing that always frustrates me <clears throat> when I see people that do the screen printing business, especially when they're focused on bands it was so difficult to look at people who are just like, Hey Jason, I need like, you know, a $10,000 order. I'll get you in about nine months. Totally. And how, and how could any small business survive on, I mean, you could maybe survive on one of those, but right. when you have like five or six bands and it's taking you months to years to follow up on an invoice, <laughs> you're just like, what, exactly. the, what the fuck? Yeah. And I, people, it just, it, I mean, no 16 or 17 year old kid is going to understand that. And just because that's your age, but wow. it's just like, it always killed me watching that. Like, I, I just remember anytime I would pl- place an order for shirts with you and you were kind enough to extend credit. That was always like, yo dude, prior to number one, let's fucking get this shirt paid for Like, totally. let's get this shit paid for because it was like, you know, you, someone else was relying on you. And I just don't think that everybody has that wired within their head. And no, like, exactly. And I'm sure you were just killing yourself. With yeah. That. I mean, I had the, the clients that were the bread and butter, yeah. you know, the Paul Franks and people that paid me in 30 days if I was lucky. Right. And when they did pay me, it was like huge, you know, and you know, I had payroll, I had payroll every two weeks. I got, I, I couldn't make up excuses and tell these guys like, Hey man, you know, like, Sorry, you know, bl- I can't pay you. Yeah, uh, blame, blame bleeding through. Totally. Can- <laughs> yeah. Whoever is- just got off Ozfest and you know, the guys came in and, they're giving me two grand out of the nine they owe me, mm-hmm. you know? And it was just, I believed everyone I knew, but you know, it was all growing. Like we were growing, they were growing. Um, I, I tried not to look at them different, you know, but it was hard because yeah. I was so passionate about what I was doing. I was, it was my ass on the line. I'm like putting all the money into the merchandise. And at the end of the day, I'm the guy with the bills. I'm the ones with the headache and they, they have bills and headaches and problems on the road. Yeah, of course. And it, it was just tough, you know? And, and, um, I, when, when I got out of that business, I just was like, I'm just, I just had it. Like I, it's, it's the money I was making with doing to die for, you know, it was die trying and then later and in, turned into, you know, to die for and right. trademark the name. Um, it was the money I was making and the profit and the business that was growing online when that started coming around and you could buy your stuff online and all the bands were getting successful. That's when I started seeing like, man, it's not worth it. This is not worth me to print and all the stress and all the things in, in, or me hating or looking at somebody and disliking somebody or hating an employee because they stole from me while I was at Hellfest or printed some shirts <sighs> for their buddy yeah. for free using my equipment and my electricity. You know, all the things that could possibly happen, like I, I, I can truly say I've seen and done it all, you know, right. even, even after getting out of the screen printing business, yeah. it probably got even harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and... um. And, uh, 
So those, those are the, the things that come along with owning a business and having employees and, and, and you just get smarter. You work, you work smarter and not harder and that's easier said than done. But right. yeah, after a while I just was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I want to grow the brand and we just got rid of all the employees. So we got rid of the, the warehouse and the huge building that we were in and just focused on today for and printing our own stuff. Right. And I just got completely, and it was just so hard to just stop doing things. It was like breaking up with girlfriends, many sure. girlfriends, you know, or, yeah. like, or divorcing girl, you know, wives. You yeah. That's kind of what it was like. Sure. Still there coming around like, Hey, where do we get prints? Totally. How, how do we do this? Hey, Jason, this guy's having problems doing it. I'm just like, Oh gosh, come on. You yeah. Know? You're killing me at this point. You know? <laughs> right. Right. And, um, and that's when I, I started work, you know, when I said I was working smarter and not harder, I became this, you know, I, I, I started to like find out who I really was and started to, to say to myself, like, at the end of the day, it's just t-shirts, it's just product, it's apparel, it's nothing to hate one another about, it's nothing to throw a phone and break things and, and, and get so frustrated about. It's like, why do I do this to myself? And that's when I started, I think, kind of finding a better partnership and, 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 and better relationship with my brother yeah. is because I think he was heated too. We would butt heads and we started kind of just slowly but surely finding well, it's, you know, it, it, common it, ground. Totally. And the, the I think the key element that you hit on there was like obviously balance. It's like once you're able to figure out that, you know, just because you pour your heart and soul into something and you take a day off, like that's allowed. Like totally. those, those things are allowed. Totally. You have to be able to separate the business with real life and yeah. like it's just because yeah when you're i mean when you're you know 22 23 24 25 whatever around that age you know and you're existing within that world like that's all that's the only world that you know and so of course yeah. it's like you, you know you were probably there like 18 19 hours a day and you or you know you would have no problem with that i mean it, it, it would then manifest itself with you breaking <laughs> shit totally but totally. it was like you know until and that's why it's like anytime i reflect on you know like because people always especially because we're involved in like youth culture you know Mm -hmm. it's like you know you're involved with obviously like you know a a brand of clothing that will always appeal to you know kids essentially you know people between the ages of like you know 15 and 25 um but we you and i are getting older but Mm -hmm. we're always involved with this stuff and so like looking back and being like you know looking at whatever you know 20 21 year olds and i was like i don't uh, I'm really glad that I'm, the, I'm at the age where I'm at now because yeah. you, like you said, the working, <laughs> working harder or yeah, working, working smarter, smarter, not, not harder. harder. It's like, you don't know that shit when you're 20. So you're just fucking done. running around. Like you're anxious. You're, you're, you're amazed. You're surprised. You're, yeah. you're just full of this energy. You could work 24 hours. You, you don't know. You're not, you're not, you're, you're just this person that's just full of life and just eager to, to, you know, break into something new and do something. And that's why, I mean, that's why there's all these clothing brands nowadays. Like everybody knows where they can get t-shirt blanks and they know they can look in the yellow pages or look online and Google a screen printer in their neighborhood and find something to get done and call it something and then put it up online on a big cartel and, you know, and away it goes, you know, and then, Oh crap, stuff's not selling. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of things that go into like having a brand or, or, creating a business and so i just look at it like uh yeah you know those guys those guys those little guys they can't stress me out they can't bum me out i yeah they're probably putting more things out there into people's hands than they really needs to be but at the end of the day i 
you know, as long as they're working and doing something they like and they're happy and they're trying something out, I mean, they got to land on their face once or twice to of like course. figure out the hard way. Cause that's the way I did it, you know? Totally. Um, well, and, and so it, <clears throat> kind of hitting on that, like so, sort of to wrap things up, um, because I know just because like you said, you have made a lot of mistakes or like, and not, you know, career crippling mistakes, but mm-hmm. stuff where you were like, fuck, I wish I could have done that differently. Um, You know, what are one or two things that kind of pop in your head that, you know, you would be able to impart to people where it's like, yeah, like try not to do this because this is what uh, I did and it turned out terribly. Yeah. The one thing that always, uh, it just always sat with me is um, Mm -hmm. when, when times were good and and, uh, we were making good money, uh, Josh and I, you know, we went and we, we were seeing like, you know, all the owners of all the companies rolling up in Range Rovers and Porsches and all these amazing cars that are like, you know, 50 grand plus. Right, and, right, right, right. You know, one day I said to my son, I'm going to go buy an Audi. You know, and then Josh went and he bought a Mercedes. And the moment you roll up in one of those cars, no matter if it's a concert in front of your employees. Mm-hmm. They will always look at you differently. They will always think to themselves, oh man, times are good, huh? Right. Like things are great. I should be getting a pay raise now. Like I should mm. be getting this. I should be getting that. Oh, and that just puts a taste in, 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 a, in a thought in someone's mind that you don't ever want, you know, like yeah. whether an employee, manager, whatever the title they are. So, you know, it's almost like I, I wish I had just some crappy car that I could just drive to work, but Later, sooner or later, they're going to find out what kind of car and what things that I have at home, you know? Right, right. Even though I had a roommate and I, you know, my rent might have been cheap. Right. I had this rad car and I felt like, dude, I deserve this car. Right. They don't understand that. You know, they they don't understand that. They just, they'll never understand it. They just think to themselves like times are good. Right. I remember one of, uh, one of, uh, our customers and friends to this day going, oh man. Things are good over at Sly 4, huh? Like Jason and Josh, they're rolling. Yeah. Audis? They're yeah. balling. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. And, uh, you know, my good friend Shauna and, 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 and just, uh, you know, I guess she was like a receptionist help yeah. accounting. She kind of just went and did everything. Uh, She's like, wait till you see what's in our bank account. Or, you know, do you, do you realize how many hours Jason works and Josh works? Do you, do you realize that those dudes do not have lives? Right. Do you realize like they probably just drive that thing to work and home and back? Right. You know? So, you know, that was a big mistake, you know, and when times are good, I, you know, and I didn't figure that out until later on. I mean, Josh and I got our cars repossessed in front of us. Um, we had to hide Josh's car for months and months and months. Really? We, we hid his car for like months. Wow. Um, they just didn't know where Josh lives. So they never knew where the car was. Um, and then having my Audi, just basically repossessed right in front of me in front of like the building and everybody's doors are open and everyone sees this tow truck come in and just snag my car right in front of my, I mean, it was like, I ran out, got everything that was meaningful to me. I knew it was going to get repossessed. I was getting the threatening phone calls. I mean, these guys, they won't stop. They, no. you know, they won't stop. They'll do whatever it takes to get that car back if you're not paying for it, you know, and, and which they should. Of course. At that time. Yeah, I mean, it's not I, like you were like, what are you doing? It's like, totally. Oh, At that time, I was like, fuck, I'm going to slash and find every fucking re- guy that repossessing, you know, yeah. takes cars from people and fucking burn their house down and yeah. fucking <laughs> slash. And you, there's a reason why you don't see repossessed like, like, t- t- like these SUV trucks or whatever they are <laughs> with these 
this this system in the back on the streets because they know that these these cars will come they'll come out the next morning and their cars will be completely either stolen windows broken or something they hide these trucks in of a course. yard or something right right and so you know i hated them at the time but you know they did, they got to make a living they, yeah, do, they, 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 they do they, a job they're right. taking back what's theirs that i wasn't paying for right I completely just did not have the money. Yeah. And I wasn't lying to him. Right. I completely, things dried up. Yeah. I had to, I, I took money and shuffled it around and the last thing to get paid was Audi and Mercedes. Right. You know? And, um, you know, another thing that I had done, like, around that time that my car was getting repossessed is I, I bought a house, mm-hmm. uh, like a brand new house um, with my girlfriend at the time. And mm-hmm. she made insane amounts of money so she could buy the house and do what she needed to do and you know, she worked hard and, um, she just had a job. She had a paycheck. So she had that constant money coming in mm-hmm. and me, you know, I had to find, you know, Mr. Owner, like of a company, like here I am. I gotta, I gotta, like, I gotta meet in the middle, like with my girlfriend and, you know, I gotta pay for a house that's mine too, you know? So we had to split 50, 50 and dude, coming up with that mortgage payment, like every single month was just mind blowing to me. You know, it's just like at the time it made sense made sense to buy a house and not rent. Right. But dude, it, I mean, it, it, it got tough. I mean, sure. it became like, Oh, Jason, you, you gotta go find a job. You, you gotta quit doing what you're doing. You don't have money. You, and dude, I, as a business owner and somebody that is so passionate, I don't want to hear that. No, That's not to hear. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like the, re- so, it's the like reality is coming down. Totally. On it. It's like your best friend saying, Hey man, your chick is, she's not cool, man. Yeah. yeah. How do you tell somebody? You're like, dude, yeah. my chick's the coolest. Yeah. Yeah. For you're sure. You're like, yeah, she, there's not a reason so why nobody wants to ever hang out with you when you're with your chick. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, dude, you know, a couple years into owning a house, I just, um, money, my business, my, my, the things that I lived for doing, it all became between our relationship and mm-hmm. I had to go, I had to leave. I had to get out of the relationship. I had to like leave my house behind, um, and leave it all on her shoulders now. And, and it sucked, man. I mean, we, oh, yeah. we had a house completely brand new and just, I mean, it's crazy, you know, it's just like yeah. mind blowing, you know, and it's all because I had, I chose the business over everything because that's, that was like my, that's my wife, you know, I'm married to my business. You know? Right. And, uh, so going back to this, to, you know, looking back on the mistakes I made, like I, A, will never ever buy a house. I don't believe in it. I don't think it's worth the stress. Mm-hmm. I feel like you could just live anywhere you want and just rent for the rest of your life and just, yeah, you're, you, someone might say you're throwing your life away or your, your money away, but that's just the way I think. And then yeah. going forward, no matter how much money I make or whatever happens to me next, I will never go and buy a brand new car. Like I will, I would just never have, a, like, I would love to just pay it off and just know that I own it and drive it around and whatever happens, happens to that car. Right. The the sense of owning somebody or, and, and, you know, I, I, nowadays I just live off, I, we live off cash. If I don't have the money, I don't buy it. And that's why I think we've kind of gone backwards and, and it's kind of hurt to die for in certain ways, but helped us in other ways Yeah, is that if I don't have the money for something, I don't buy it. Well, you're, it, it, you're, you're just returning to the mo- like basic tenets of like how people should live their lives. Totally. And you're just like, while we may be stripping away opportunities at some point, it's just like, well, that's for the longevity of the company as exactly. a whole. It's like, I want to be around in 10 to 20 years because you're just like, I've committed to this. I don't want this to fizzle out in five years because I've taken out 
you know, $300,000 in, you know, <laughs> projects that, you know, ended up completely failing. Totally. So it's, yeah. It's having all that for every failure that you have. I mean, you, it, it's great that you have these distinct moments where you can be like, all right, this is, I distinctly know what I, what is not right for my life right now exactly. and what and in turn, what is not right for my business now. Oh. And that's like, you have to fail in order to be able to learn that. And, and exactly that. It's like, that's why I said earlier, it's like, you got to fall on your face whether yeah. you're building something from the ground up an ice cream shop, yogurt shop, whatever you yeah. want to make. You got to fall on your face a couple of times to get up and learn it the hard way and, and then discover if it's worth it. Or not. Right. And it might take years. It might take, you know, a decade, it could take yeah. whatever. And right. that's what it's taken me to like, get this far to like, finally go, man, it, it, it's a long journey. It's a, it's a journey. Yeah. You know? And it's, and it's, and it's about the things that you do and the choices we make and they could be good or bad, but you learn from your mistakes and you learn the hard way. And sometimes they just slap you in the face and sometimes they reward you by, you know, with a pat on the back. Right. Know? Right. And that's just it. It's just about the journey. That's just it. You can't, you can't go into life anymore with, dude, I'm going to make millions. I have to be a million. That's that attitude alone. Yeah. You know, we work with an artist named Stephen Daly and he, he, somebody asked him once, he's an old friend of mine, an older, he, he's like a couple years older than me. And you know, somebody came up to him one day and was like, dude, how do I become like a full-time artist? How do I, how do I just start painting and selling my paintings and, and start like asking for a lot? And Steven said to, to me when he was explaining to me, dude, dude, you're, you're going already about it all wrong. Right. It's about the journey. It's about the process. It's about, and I was like, dude, you're so right. Yeah. And it took him to get beaten up and, you know, torn down to really discover all the things that he does today. Yeah. Yeah. Living in a house, you know, within his means, painting within his means, painting things he likes, showing at galleries he wants to show at. You know, doing things that are like safe, but yet scream Stephen Daly. Right. And it's all about that. It's not about like, man, being in the biggest gallery tomorrow because the biggest gallery is not going to want you if you got right. that attitude, you know, and you can't, it's hard to put a price on, on something, you know, not everybody sees it like yeah. that, you know, like, oh, how, how is this thing worth $50,000? Right. Can you explain it to me? Yeah. Oh, it only took you a month. How am I giving you $50,000 for something that only yeah. took you a month to paint? Totally. You know what I mean? So it, that's just it. I, I always, I always think about that and I'm always like, that's, that's great, man. Yeah. It's like something that really inspired me and pushes me to this day. And I always think about it like, man, that's yeah, great. yeah. You can, that's something that you can obviously legitimately hold on to and be like, yes, this is, this is a tenant that I can carry on for a long totally. time. Totally. So, well, <laughs> I really appreciate you obviously hanging out. Thanks, Ray. I really appreciate it. It's the blast. I, it's I always think to be here. I, al <laughs> I always have a blast talking to you, Jason. Well, thank you, dude. Thank you. So there you have it. Uh, I apologize this ran a little bit long, but Jason had a lot of amazing things to say. I didn't want to cut it out. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us and uh, visit propertyofzach.com. And join us next week for another awesome guest. I'm not going to tell you quite yet. You'll have to figure it out. Bye.